believers, we're not afraid of them. Because what we do know from Genesis to Revelation is that wherever there is a storm, God is nearby. How many know that today? And how many know today that wherever God is, you have nothing to be afraid of? You have nothing to be afraid of if your faith is in him. If your faith is not in him, well, now that's a different story. Uh, I, I want this morning for us to look at Job, who some might argue went through the worst storm of anybody alive. And, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let me just say this before I go further. Uh, last week, it was good to have Andrew speak on, on my behalf. We were away as a family in Banff, had a wonderful time. We left immediately after uh, the Sunday before, on I think it was July 1st. Uh, we uh, spoke about Noah and the storm and uh, went home, got our stuff, and got in the car and headed out to Banff. Now, wouldn't you know it, uh, about six or seven hours out of Winnipeg, I start to see clouds in the sky. Like the clouds I've been studying for the Storm Chaser series. And it, it's, it's unmistakable, really, because a cloud is in the shape of a, a, a massive flying saucer. Anybody seen those kind of clouds? You know that something's happening in the air. And the, and the, the light, the sky turns a, kind of a yellowish color. And there's a bit, of a, a bit of rain, not much. And I said to Gloria, I think we are going into tornado country. And uh, we saw cars stopped along the way. And I thought, I'm going to be a storm chaser. <laughs> and so we, we, we were driving along, all of a sudden a cop car went sailing by me. And I thought, well, the cops can go into the storm. I'm a pastor. <laughs> you never know if I might be needed somewhere. <laughs> you know, last rites and all that. Uh, <laughs> and I said to the kids, get your cameras out. We're going to take pictures. So we can show everybody back in Winnipeg. Uh, long story short, uh, there actually had been uh, a tornado that went through went through uh, Park Beg. Anybody ever heard of Park Beg, Saskatchewan? There's four of us that have heard of it. <laughs> if you uh, if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. So, anyways, we actually drove through, and uh, it, it was bizarre because we were, we had this torrent of rain. And this is only on the prairies, folks. A torrent of rain and, and the sun shining full, full speed ahead. You know what I'm talking about? And as we're driving through Park Peg, there's a, there's a semi-trailer on its side. We had just missed the storm, which, I, which really disappointed me. <laughs> because wherever there's a storm, God is nearby. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? Some of you right now are facing storms. Or you've just come through a storm. Or you are uh, about to go through one. The question is this, is how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to face the storm that you're going through? And how do you make sense out of it? Do you know, in, in my research, I discovered that uh, it, it's estimated that around the world, it, on any day, there's at least 44,000 44 thunderstorms that are happening uh, every day. Isn't that amazing? And each thunderstorm, I'm told, has the power of a, a, a 20 kiloton nuclear bomb. Can you believe that? Every day. Now, some of you, 
I don't think it's I don't think it's overestimating it or overstating it. But for some of you, you have felt like there's a twenty ton kiloton kiloton bomb that's gone off in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. And you wonder, God, where are you? And how did this happen? And how could you allow this to happen? Anybody have those thoughts? God, I thought you're the God that answered prayer. I thought, God, you're the one that, that now, now that I'm, I'm redeemed and now that I'm under the blood and now that I've, I've committed my life to Christ, everything's going to be good. I'm not going to have any problems anymore. Well, you know, I want to bring you today to a new place in your Christian experience and in your, your maturity. Because the fact of the matter is, is that good things do happen to bad people. Our bad things happen to good people. Yeah, did, I, did I lose it? Actually, it is biblical. It does say that in the scripture. Good things do happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people. Bad things do happen to good people. And you could say, God, where are you in all this? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared. I thought... I thought I had angels around me, and I thought I had the Holy Spirit that would, that would go with me and comfort me and protect me. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that it's not quite as simple as that. And so I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. Can we look at that passage of Scripture? And it was, uh, it was uh, on that video clip. And if you would just read that with me. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Anyways, does anybody know what a whirlwind is? A tornado, yeah. Okay. So the Lord answers Job from the whirlwind. I told you, wherever there is a storm, God's nearby. And here's, here's what God says to Job. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. So here's what we know about Job. The Bible says that he was a blameless man. You know what blameless means? He was, he was innocent. He was pure. He had done nothing wrong. In fact, it says that he had complete integrity. Anybody know what integrity is? Anybody know, remember from math what an integer is? It's a whole number. We're talking about wholeness. He was a whole man. There were no cracks in his spirituality. There were no cracks in his righteousness. He was, he was completely pure. And the Bible says that he feared God and he stayed away from evil. Evil. You can read that in Job chapter 1. Really, he was, he was almost like a perfect man. But how many know today that the Bible says that there are none righteous? No, not even one. So we do know this about Job. We do know that he really sought to serve God with his whole heart. He really, really wanted to get it right before God. We do know that he was a sinner because the Bible states clearly that every human being on the face of this earth sins and has sinned. But Job's default setting, it seems, is is righteousness, blamelessness, being whole, getting it right. So if anybody on the face of the earth should not come under attack the way Job did, it was Job. And yet, Job goes through one of the most devastating experiences that any human being could ever go through. The Bible says that he was the richest man in the East. And here's what it says. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen. 
and 500 female donkeys. He also had many, many servants. He doesn't even give a number, so many servants. So we're talking about extreme wealth. Now, I can't get into the whole story of the book of Job, and I need you to do that. I need you to get your Bible out, not right now, but I need you to get your Bible out today and read the story. It's really quite compelling and uh, quite moving. But Satan comes along before God and says to God, Hey, God, (laughs) uh, you know, i got to say about this servant of yours that you're so proud of, because God was kind of bragging on Job a little bit. Satan says, the only reason he loves you The only reason he's being righteous, the only reason he's being blameless and whole is because of the way that you're taking care of him. In other words, God, it pays to be righteous. Now, how many know that Satan actually, the the meaning of the word Satan is actually accuser? Does everybody know that? And I want you to know today that you have an accuser who goes out of his way to accuse you. He stands before God and he accuses Job of being righteous and loving God for one reason only. And that's so that he can get money and get wealth. And God says, it isn't so. And then what unfolds is what I would call a, a mystery. A mystery to the human mind because it's so hard to get our minds around. But if you know the story, you know that Job is literally wiped out. All of his livestock, every animal he owns, is is wiped out. And then he gets a messenger who comes to the house and says, all your children were having a party together. Uh, Maybe like the Duncaps and their birthday parties, I don't know. Uh, All the families together, and uh, a storm came up. The building collapsed and everyone was killed. And Job now is left with nothing. Absolutely nothing. And to make matters even worse, he develops a bad case of boils. Now, I don't know if anybody here has ever had a boil before. I've had one on my leg, and it makes me want to end my life. (laughs) Job is covered in them. It's so bad that Job's wife says to him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Just give it up now. Just give it up. It's not worth it. You know, you're, you, you say that you're a, a, a follower of God and you want to be righteous and, and blameless. But what is it, what is it, what is it worth? What is it, what is it doing for you? Is it even working? And Job has to answer, well, no, it's not working right now. I've got nothing. I've got absolutely nothing now. And so here's Job, devastated. How do we reconcile this to our understanding of who God is and what a loving God is? This morning, my prayer is that your Christian maturity, your understanding of God, your understanding of the Christian life would move to a brand new level. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we in North America have a very immature understanding of God and God's ways. Do you understand what I'm saying today? We have this idea that as long as we become a Christian, as long as we follow God, we will never have a problem ever again. And I'm going to tell you right now that that is is unfortunately utter nonsense. 
I wish it were true, but it's not. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we still live on this earth. A, a world that is still under the influence of the prince of darkness, the one we call Satan or the accuser of the brethren. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But let me just, say, let me just begin by saying this. Some things really are a mystery to us. Some things we do not understand. And just because you don't understand it does not mean that God does not love you or that God is absent or that God has abandoned you. Just because things aren't working out the way you expected them to work out or the way that you want them to work out does not mean that God hates you, does not mean that God has abandoned you. Let me give you a few examples. Has anybody ever heard of Stephen? We read about him in in Acts chapter 7. Stephen has just been appointed an elder of the church, a brand new Christian, a shining star, really a brilliant, brilliant Christian, and, and destined to be one of the great leaders of the church. And uh, if you know the story, you know that the accuser came. And the accuser, how many know that the accuser sometimes uses people? The accuser came in the form of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they started accusing Stephen of preaching heresy. And Stephen stood before the council and flawlessly gave a wonderful defense of the Christian faith. It was flawless. But it wasn't enough to save his life. And you say, God, where are you and what's going on? Stephen, by the end of chapter 7, is stoned to death. And you scratch your head and you say, God, why? Where are you in all this? And then there's Telemachus. Has anybody ever heard of him? He was a little monk. Not monkey, monk. And uh, he... uh, He heard of the the gladiator games in Rome, how people were constantly being put to death. The games where people come together, and you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what happens. Gladiators come together, they fight until one dies. And Telemachus is so disturbed and so disgusted by this, he leaves his his seat in the stands because he he heard about the about about this, this the. This great event, the great games that are happening. He's so disturbed by what he's seeing now. He comes down out of the stands. He goes into the middle of the arena, which I've been in. And he, 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 he starts to shout, forbear, forbear. Stop. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. Don't do this anymore. Stop the slaughter of life. Understand how valuable life is. This is wrong. It's evil. It must stop. Now the crowd is furious because they they love this sport. They love the sport where somebody dies. We think our hockey games are bad. This was even worse. One of the gladiators nearby Telemachus, hearing the crowd's disapproval of what he's saying, decides to stick this innocent little monk through with a a spear. 
thinking that that would please the crowd. And in that moment, everybody went silent. And Telemachus is dead. Back in the 1950s, there were five missionaries, graduates from Alberta's uh, Three Hills Bible College. And while they were there, God laid on their hearts to go to the Aachen Indians in South America. And they began to strategize and began to pray and they began to, pl- to plan. One of them is, uh, one of them is uh, a pilot able to drive the, drive the, fly the plane and, and bring the, the missionaries into this inaccessible part of the jungles of South America. They dropped gifts in. And it looked like it was time now to go and meet the Aukens and begin to share with them the love of Christ. The landing day came. The missionaries landed. They connected with the Aukens Indians. There were reports back to the home base. Everything looks good. And then all of a sudden, everything went silent. And all five of those missionaries who are in South America with their families are all put to death. And everybody scratched their head and said, why? God, this doesn't make sense. These men could have, they're all very bright men. They could have pursued great careers, made great money. But they went and they, they literally laid down their lives to win these Seemingly ungrateful people, trying to win them to Christ, trying to share with them the gospel. You scratch your head and you say, why? Some things really are a mystery. Some things we don't understand. Do you think that God stopped loving those five missionaries? Did God stop loving Stephen? Did God stop loving Telemachus? Even though they were doing these great things? I can tell you, without question, God did not stop loving them. And it was a mystery. Can I tell you something today? Some things don't work out right in your life. And you may never know the reason why. Someone in your life, sick, you pray for them and you expect them to be healed. And, and it doesn't work the way you expect it to. And you say, God, where were you? And how, did you, how could you let this happen? But you see, an immature approach to God and his ways would say, uh, you didn't have enough faith. Or you didn't know the scripture. Or you didn't know the truth. Job's wife said, uh, curse God. Just get it over with. Obviously, this, this, whole, this whole faith thing of yours, Job, it's all a sham. It doesn't work. So just curse God, die, get it over with, and let's be free of this nonsense. And then there were the so-called Job's friends who come along. These are upright, godly men. And they come along to Job, and they sit down beside him and say, Now, Job, come on. We all know that God is righteous, and he is compassionate, he's merciful, And we read chapter after chapter after chapter in the book of Job where these so-called friends are counseling Job and what he should do and how he should deal with this. 
And they're saying, Job, obviously the reason you're going through all this disaster and all this catastrophe is because you have sinned against God. And so therefore you should repent. And you should confess your sin because obviously you've done something wrong. Obviously, Job, you don't have enough faith. Job, your spiritual life looks good on the outside, but obviously in the inside, the whole thing's a sham. And so, Job, look at just confess your sin to God. Just repent. And so these so-called friends of Job turned out not to be true counselors, but they joined the forces of Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. Now, let me say this to you today, my friends. You're, you're diligently trying to serve God. You're diligently trying to do his will. You've got faith. You've got the faith. Maybe it's not a lot of faith, but you've got faith. And you're praying and you're saying, God, let it all work out. And it doesn't work out the way you expect it to. I want you to know something today. God is a good and merciful and compassionate father. And just because things don't turn out the way we expect them to does not mean that his goodness or his righteousness is any less than what it is. Do you understand that today? People can say whatever they want to you or against you. But the fact of the matter is, is there's some things that we just don't understand. There's some things we just don't get. One of, the, one of the great mysteries in my life, which I still don't understand, it's a mystery to me. We prayed for my stepsisters, Amber and Stacy. We prayed. We prayed hard. We prayed diligent. We asked God to, to heal them. But God chose not to. And I don't understand it. And it's a mystery to me, and I don't get it. On Saturday morning at 12.40 a.m., Robert McLean's daughter, Techie, passed away, went into the presence of God. And everybody believed and prayed and expected that God was going to heal her. And she believed it with all her heart. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen the way we expected it to. And it really is a profound mystery. Why does God answer some people's prayers? And why do some people get healed? And why don't other people get healed? Why do some people, why are some people spared from death and others are not? Why do some people live sick all their life, but they live to, to 90, 95? Why does George Burns get to smoke a cigar until he's 100? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Some things are a mystery. But I can tell you this today. What I know is not a mystery. What I know is a fact and what's true, and you can go to the bank on it. And that is that God loves you. Even though things don't turn out the way you expect them to, God loves you. And God has his reasons. God has his reasons. He has his purposes. 
Now, these friends of Job were telling him to repent. They thought they were being really, really spiritual. No, they were being really, really spiritual. Because they were defending the honor of God. In their minds, it wasn't logical that Job could be going through this unless he had sin in his life. Listen to me. Just because you're going through a difficult time because you have some illness, some sickness that you don't understand, that does not mean that there's sin in your life. It may mean that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And it does not necessarily mean that you've got a lack of faith. It just means that God has his reasons that we don't know. And until you could come to the place where you say, God, I'm okay with not understanding all the mysteries of the universe. Until you get to that place. Until you get to the place where you can truly trust God no matter what. Then you don't really have a strong faith. You have a very immature faith that's based on your own understanding. I'm going to tell you this. The Bible is clear that God calls us not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He'll direct our paths. So here's Job facing the biggest storm of his life. Even Job stands before God and his wife says, curse God and die. His friends say, repent. And in Job's mind, he's saying, God, you better vindicate me. I'm innocent in all this. And I don't know how you could do this to me. I will not curse you. I love you. I still keep my faith in you. In fact, here's what Job says. In Job uh, chapter 19, verse 7. He says, I know, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. Isn't that amazing? Through all this, he does not turn away from God. But he still says, God, I don't get this. And God, speak up. And God solved this problem. And God's answer to him is this. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Basically, God's saying this. He's saying this to all of us. You don't have all the answers. Don't pretend to have all the answers. And don't be so arrogant and proud and conceited to think that you have all the answers. There's some things that are totally outside of our realm or outside of our understanding. And what God's calling you and me to do is to simply trust him. He knows what he's doing. And for some of you, that might be difficult for you to do because the way that you've functioned your whole life through is, if I don't understand it, if it doesn't make sense to me, I don't want any part of it. God says, answer some of these questions. You're so bright, you're so smart, you think you... You think you know how to deal with all the mysteries in life? Answer these questions. He says in verse 34 of chapter 38. Can you shout, shout to the clouds and make it rain? Well, can you? Can anybody do that? You're so brilliant. Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? With all the brilliance of the scientists, we're still having a hard time understanding how all this works. We still don't get it, really. God asks another question of Job. Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? How do, how, do the, how do the geese that are roaming around my neighborhood and making messes everywhere, how do they know to fly south? Can anybody tell me that? 
And how do they know when to come back? That's the disappointing part. I mean, I don't mind if they come back to Canada, but not to my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm trying to get Gloria to work on time, and there's geese sitting on the road looking at me. Do you understand it? I don't. God says to Job, who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened its into clods? And he goes on and on through the chapter. And at the end of it all, here's what God says to Job. Job, you don't know anything. And the fact of the matter is, nobody knows everything. The fact of the matter is, folks, is that we have got to get perspective of who we are and who God is. And learn what it means to put our faith in Him and to trust Him, even when what happens in our life does not make sense. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the struggles or the difficulties that you're going through. I don't know about the pain and the suffering that you're dealing with. But here's what I do know. I know that God knows about it. And I know that God loves you and cares for you. And he hasn't abandoned you. I don't care what anybody else says. They can say that you don't have faith. They can say that you've got sin in your life. But here's what I do know. That God loves you. And he wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. He wants to comfort you by his spirit. And he's calling you to come to him in pure faith and say, God, I will trust you. No matter what happens to me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand upon the earth at last. Do you know that, folks? This is, this is the faith. This is what it means to have faith in God. It's not that you get what you want, but that you trust him in spite of the fact that you don't get what you want. This is what real Christian maturity is all about. When things go bad in your life, I can tell you this. God is not the one who does bad things to people. How many know that today? Satan is the author of destruction, not God. So you say, well, how on earth then does it happen to us? Well, sometimes God allows it for his reasons. And sometimes it's God's will that we go through what we go through. You say, are you kidding me, Pastor? Are you, trying to, are, you, are you standing here today telling me that it's actually God's will for me to maybe go through suffering and pain? Yeah. Let me start with the most important example of all, Jesus Christ. Who went to the cross. Again, innocent. Who went to the cross to die for you and for me. And the prophet Isaiah says this, and this is going to shock you. The prophet Isaiah is looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come, our Savior, would come to this earth to die for us. And you know what the Bible says? It pleased the Lord to send Jesus to his death. Why? Because, my friends, it took a bad thing to create a good thing. For you and for me. If Jesus had not gone to that cross and taken upon himself your sin and my sin, you and I would not have eternal life. Do you understand that today? We don't understand the mysterious ways that God works. But I'm going to tell you this right now, my friends. God knows what he's doing. He's got it all under control. 
And if you are tempted to think today that God's losing control and that God hasn't got your life under control, I want you to tell the devil to go to hell where he belongs. Did I just swear? No. You tell the devil to go to hell where he belongs. God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. And he's got his reasons. And you might discover the reason while you're living, or you may not. But I do know this. God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. Stephen, the first martyr. Why did he get stoned to death, this great leader of the church? I'll tell you why. He was over in the corner watching this, this, this horrible, horrible execution was a man by the name of Saul. It was while Saul stood over here and watched Stephen get stoned to death, God touched Saul's heart. And Saul, as you know, eventually surrendered his life to Christ and became the great Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the height of his ministry, starting churches all over the world. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. He, did, he was an incredible, incredible godly man. But, the, but he, he says in one of his letters, he says, I've got this thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is. He says, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a messenger sent to torment me. And he said, three times I prayed, God, take this away from me. Take away this torment from me. And God said, uh, no, no, you're going to keep it. You're going you're gonna, to, it's staying with you, sorry. Has anybody ever a sliver in their finger? I'm telling you, you can't think of anything but that sliver till it's out. Paul had something, had a, had a thorn in his flesh. He just, he could not get it out and it was with him forever. And God said, it's going to stay with you. Because you need it. You need it to keep you humble. And so Paul says this, I've learned in all things that God is my sufficiency. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what difficulty or struggle you're experiencing right now. But I do know this. God is sovereign. He's in control. And he has his reasons. You might find out the reason why. You may not. But I know this. God loves you and he cares about you. Telemachus. There he went to do the God's work on the Lord's errand, prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell everybody, forbear, stop this gladiator business, and put to death. I wonder if he felt while he was dying, God, I was just trying to do your will. How could you allow this to happen to me? Those five Aachen missionaries, missionaries to the Aachens, they land and they're put to death. It was featured in Life magazine, pictures of missionaries floating face in the water. Horrible, horrible images. And everybody said, where is God in, in all this? These guys going to do God's work. It just goes to show you can't trust God. It just goes to show. But can I tell you the rest of the story? These, uh, these missionaries gave up their life to see people come to Christ. And there was a great harvest of souls after they died. Guess what? 
Jim Elliott, one of the five, he went, his, his wife went with her children, with his children, to live amongst those Aukens. And now that whole family served those, those, those people who put their father to death. I don't understand why we have to go through what we go through. I don't understand why Gloria and I lost our fourth child. I don't understand that. I don't understand why I have to have arthritis. I prayed. I've been anointed with oil. I've asked people to pray. I prayed. And for whatever reason, God has not taken it away. But folks, I do know this today. That God is good all the time. And you put your faith in God, not because he does whatever you want him to do. You put your faith in him based on his excellent character. And the knowledge that he knows what he's doing. Now, can I just let everybody in on a secret as, as we close this morning? How many know today that this world is not our home? Did you know that? When you put your faith in Christ, you signed up to be part of his kingdom. You signed up to be a follower of Christ, to do what Christ wants you to do. Can I ask you this question? Because I'm telling you, in North America, we've got a very, very immature understanding of God and an extremely immature Christianity and very immature faith. What happens when persecution hits Canada? What happens when Christians start being put to death because of their faith in God? Is your faith going to stand? Are you going to say, oh God, I thought that everything was supposed to work out good and that you were going to send the legions of angels to stand around me? I thought, God, what What are you going to do? Because the reality is, is that around the world today, Christians are being put to death I read a statistic that said at every hour there's five Christians put to death because of their faith. What about you? This morning, here's what God's saying to us. He's calling us to put our faith and our trust in him regardless, in spite of our circumstances. To trust him and believe that he knows what he's doing. This is a mature faith. This is a faith that turns a city upside down for Christ. This is the faith that wins whole tribes in South America. This is the faith that puts an end to barbaric practices like the gladiators. This is a faith that makes it possible for young men and women to rise up like the Apostle Paul. But it takes people who are willing to say, God, hear my, use me. Do with me whatever you want. Do you have that kind of faith today? When the storm comes, folks, listen to me. You have nothing to be afraid of. But know this. God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. And I'm going to tell you this. Everything is going to be okay. Would you pray with me, please? Let's stand. Father, we want to say thank you this morning for this message from the Old Testament that is as, as applicable today as it was when it happened 
3,000 years ago. Lord, we hear the words of James echoing through the, through the centuries, who said, For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. God, this morning, we want to just come and, and surrender our bodies, our families, our possessions to you. And we want to say, God, have your way in our lives. Use us, God, for your great and eternal purposes. God, we don't understand all the mysteries of the ways that you work. But we do know this, God, is that you're good all the time. And we know, God... That when we surrender our lives to you, that, that you will use us for your great name's sake. God, we want our lives to matter. We want our lives to have purpose. We want our lives to be used by you, God, to change this world and to turn it upside down for your glory and honor. So, God, we pray right now, take us and use us for your great purposes. And, Lord, if there's anybody here today going through a terrible storm... With, with many, many questions, God, would you comfort their heart and show to them that although they don't understand what's going on at this time, you are in charge, you know what you're doing, and that everything is going to be okay. So, God, we commit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to your great love, to your great compassion and mercy. And we ask you, God, for the grace and the strength to do your will, regardless of what's happening around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Would you tell the person beside you, go with God. <laughs>